You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. kings of Damascus because Damascus defeated him couldn't make sense that it was the Lord that defeated him not this other group but this is what happens when we're not truly devoted to God when we're not faithful to serving the Lord our God we start to look for other things to put in God's place man is created to worship man will worship As we learn from Pastor Dave today, there were good and bad kings that reigned in Judah. One in particular did what he thought was best. He was persuaded by lies and things that were plain wrong. This brought the nation to its knees. Friends, what's taking control in your life? Are you remaining faithful to Jesus? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 27 as he continues his message, The Good and the Bad. It was believed that if a person placed their oldest son in the arms of the statue of this pagan god, his family would be prosperous. And upon studying further, it seems that they would heat the arms of the statues to a glowing hot. Then they would take their infant child and place him in there, and he would burn up. And they would beat drums loud enough to overcome his cries. Burnt to death. And according to the Mosaic Law, Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 18, and Leviticus 20, this was strictly forbidden. Strictly forbidden, the worship of Olech, human sacrifices. Well, Dave, that was then. Really? Really? You want me to say it? Many of us sacrifice our children. Many of us sacrifice our children for our careers. We sacrifice our children for our happiness. We sacrifice our children for personal gain in order for us to be prosperous. And then there's abortion, where we're sacrificing children every single day. They're being sacrificed. They're being sacrificed so I can have a better life because I don't want to be saddled with a kid. I didn't want to become pregnant, so it becomes a form of birth control. I didn't want this. I didn't want that. Sad situation. According to God's law, Jewish sons were supposed to be redeemed by sacrifice and then offered to the Lord. They belong to God, especially the firstborn. And I'm not talking about them being sacrificed. I'm talking about the parents offering a sacrifice. Example, Mary and Joseph sacrificed pigeons for Jesus. Mary and Joseph sacrificed pigeons because they couldn't afford a lamb. But they sacrificed for him. And as we read in this chapter, we'll see that Ahaz was a compromiser both of his practice of religion and his political leadership. This was a horrible time in the history of the nation of Israel. Bleak, bleak time. And you can see where God could not stand what they were doing. This is why I ask, how long can God put up with the many, many children that are sacrificed every single day in the United States? How long can God put up with this? How long can he put up with this? I don't know. 
He is very long-suffering with us. Very long-suffering. Verses 5 through 8. Therefore, the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. So God said, okay, fine. You're going to do this? I'm going to give you over to the Assyrians. Uh, this is Syria. They defeated him and carried away a great multitude of them captives and brought them to Damascus. Then he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who defeated him with a great slaughter. From Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, killed 120,000 in Judah one day, all valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Zichri, a man of Ephraim, killed that guy, the king's son, and Amazakram, the officer of the house, and Elkanah, who was second to the king. So even Ahaz's sons are being killed. And the children of Israel carried away captive their brethren, 200,000 women, sons, and daughters. And they also took away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. So these two kings come against Israel. I mean, come against Jerusalem, Syria, and Israel. Second king tells us it was the Lord who brought these two kings against them. And we read that. The Lord delivered Ahaz into their hand because of what he's doing. Someone should tell this guy, watch what you're doing, bud. Look what's going on here. A great deal of damage was done. These two kings could not take Jerusalem. We read that the two sons of Ahaz were killed and 120,000 men by this one dude. He must have been one rough guy. And although the enemies of Judah could not capture Jerusalem, they caused great damage. They killed thousands of soldiers and they took others prisoners, carrying them off to Samaria. But the Lord does raise up a prophet in Israel to warn the Samaritans. He doesn't warn Israel, but he warns the Samaritans that they were breaking God's law and inviting his judgment by taking the people of Judah captive, 9 through 15. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Obed, Oded, and he went out before the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Look! Because the Lord God of your fathers was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that reaches up to heaven. And now you propose to force the children of Judah and Jerusalem to be your male and female slaves. But are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, return the captives whom you have taken captive from your brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. This guy's laying it on pretty good. He's really giving them the what for. You better do this. You guys are in a heap of trouble. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah, the son of Johanan, Berchiah, the son of that guy, and that guy, the son of Shalom, and Amasa, the son of Hur, stood up against those who came from the war and said to them, you shall not bring the captives here, for we already have offended the Lord. You intend to add to our sins and our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is so fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the leaders of all the assembly. Then the men who were designated by name rose up and took the captives, and from the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, and gave them sandals, gave them food and drink, and anointed them, and they all... And let all the feeble ones ride on donkeys. So they brought them to their brethren at Jericho, the city on palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. That's wild. This is incredible what's going on here. The prophet points out three sins the army of Israel is committing. You captured the people you weren't supposed to take captive. You're killing the people indiscriminately. And you're making slaves out of the captain. This is all contrary to God's law. Your brethren... 
You're of one thing. Remember, they were one nation at one time. This is like a civil war. This is like a civil war. The prophet told the people of Israel that in doing these things, they showed no fear of the Lord. And they're really asking, no, in fact, they're begging for punishment. (laughs) God was angry with Judah. Yes, he was. But he would be more angry with Israel for threatening Judah if that's what they were doing. And after the message was delivered, the leaders of Israel stood and affirmed what had been told to them. This is great. They actually did what the Lord was asking them to do. And they not only let them go, but they clothed them, they fed them, they dressed them all up, and they got them ready, and they sent them back. Urge the army to cease and desist from the proactive and sin not against the Lord God. Remarkable thing. They accepted God's message and they repented. I love that. They changed the treatment of the prisoners. They fed them and helped those who were wounded. Interesting, the Lord continues to chastise the nations who have no relationship with him. I already said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. A nation that will consistently align itself with God and his purpose will be blessed. I told you, I believe that was the United States, World War I, World War II. But after World War II, we took prayer out of schools. Things started to change, and things wanted to go downhill. I don't know. Guzik says this, quote, In a national sense, this is Israel, the people and the nation chosen for a unique place in the plan of God. In a broader sense, it speaks of the blessing that belongs to all those chosen by the Lord, regarded as his own inheritance. You are his own inheritance if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You are his inheritance. You belong to him. Ahaz doesn't know what to do, and he's kind of foundering right here. So he goes to Assyria, and he asks for help. Another bonehead move. Another bonehead move. Should have gone to the Lord. Should have gone to the temple. But no, he asked the Assyrians. At the same time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria to help him. For again, the Edomites, remember the Edomites, we talked about them last week, had come, attacked Judah, and carried away captives. The Philistines had also invaded the cities of the lowland and of the south of Judah and have taken Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Jerdoth, Sokoth, and its villages, Timnah with its villages, and Gimzo with its villages, and they were dwelt there. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. Get that point, folks. Get that point. It's very, very important. The Lord brought the nation low because its leader. The Lord brought the nation low because of its leader. Let that sink in. The Lord gives leaders which people deserve, unfortunately. But then he brings them low because of the leader. And he's given this leader every chance to repent. But he's not doing this. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. There you go. This guy, how can you be faithful if you don't have a relationship to begin with? He's totally unfaithful. Also, tiglath Pizler, king of Assyria, came to him and distressed him and did not assist him. For Ahaz took part of the treasuries of the house of the Lord from the house of the king and from the leaders and gave it to the king of Assyria, but he did not help him. So he's robbing the treasuries of the temple He's robbing his own treasuries, and he's robbing the treasuries of the people, and he's giving it away. This guy's a piece of work. This guy's a piece of work. Incredible. He's a piece of work. Ahaz sends to the words, and they say no. Out of fear, not consulting the Lord, Ahaz compromises and sells out to the Assyrians. 
as I read this, you know, and it might not fit, and it, maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. But it says, because of what Ahaz did, the moral decline in Judah, and he had been continually unfaithful to the Lord, the only thing that kept on coming to me is when Jesus railed about those, if they mistreated the little ones, that a millstone would be better for them if a millstone was around their neck and they'd be thrown into the sea. So I'm thinking, oh, Ahaz, you better be looking for a millstone, buddy. Because it's not doing you too good right now. So I, I, that's what just came to me. Ahaz did not go to the Lord. Why? He couldn't. He didn't have a relationship with the Lord. But do you think if he'd have gone to the Lord, the Lord would hurt him? Of course, yes. Of course he would have. We've seen it time and time and time again. All through the book of Judges. They did evil in their own eyes. But every time they cried out to the Lord, the Lord helped them, correct? We've seen it through 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Every time they were doing badly and they cried out to the Lord, the Lord helped them, right? So if Ahaz had any sense at all, he would remember his father, Jotham. He would remember his grandfather, Uzziah, and the relationship they had with the Lord. And he would have called out to the Lord, and the Lord would have helped him. All the Lord is looking for is someone to show his heart towards him. Lord, I love you. Help me. He never did. He never turned because he didn't have a relationship. He didn't have one. He didn't make the Lord the priority of your life. He probably learned from his father to stay out of the, of, the, of the temple, which was probably one of the things that he saw. Well, dad's not going to temple. Why should I? Second Kings, he even calls himself Tiglath's servant and son. It's a strange position for the descendant of David to take before a pagan king. But Ahaz refused to trust the Lord God Jehovah. He refused to trust him. So what does he do? He takes the wealth of Israel, the temple items, palace items, and he sends it to the king as payoff. Ahaz robbed the house of the Lord to pay for help for this man. Instead of going to the Lord, Ahaz looks for man. There's so many stories here, folks. You have to make the connection. You have to make the connection. It's better to trust in the Lord than Princes, it's better to trust in the Lord here or there. You read all the scriptures that come to mind. This is what happens when we have no relationship with God or if we have a half-hearted relationship. We seek other things instead of God. I see that all the time. You hear that in hospitals. I hear that in hospitals. You can hear whom people are trusting in. Your son is very sick. Well, take care of him. Money's no object. Sir, your daughter's pretty sick. Well, can't you give her drugs to take care of it? Who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Our first defense, prayer. Our first offense, prayer. We should always go to the Lord first. It shouldn't be a second thought. We shouldn't try all these other things and then, well, they didn't work, I have to go to prayer. What are you on, the Titanic? Has it come to that? We have to pray? Oh, my gosh. That should be our first response. But I'm not right there with you. I'm right there with you. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm the same way. We seek other things instead of the Lord. Now, Ahab is saved from all this, but he could have cost them dearly. It also happens that, he, you know, when we go out on our Lord, when we go out looking for a man's help in the Lord, it costs us. It costs us. As makes Judah a nation now in their control of a foreign power. They're protected, but their hope and trust is now in man, not in the Lord. This shows that Ahaz had absolutely no relationship with the true God. And it's going to cost him because, as I said, it starts that downward spile. And it's going to cost Judah 70 years in captivity. Well, it doesn't happen for a while. 
but it was going to happen. And this is just, you know, these things have to start someplace. Things don't get better for this guy. Things don't get better for this guy. You would think he would learn. How many, he doesn't learn. Let's finish out the chapter and listen, listen to what happens to him now. In my Bible, the New King James is, is titled The Apostasy and Death of Ahaz. Verse 22, now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. That is King Ahaz. He became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. Well, I've gotten this far. I might as well go a lot further. I can't go back now. I'm just going to really just sin like heck. I'm going to do as much as I want. I mean, wow. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. Oh, my. Oh, my. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Wow. But they were in ruin of him and of all Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. This guy's doing a number, man. He is doing a number. You know, it's, it's kind of a thought like, well, listen, if I'm going downhill, I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. Now, the rest of the Acts and all his ways from first to last, indeed, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Ahaz rested with his fathers, and they burned, buried him in the city in Jerusalem, but they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. Interesting. This guy... He copies the pagan kings of Damascus because Damascus defeated him. Couldn't make sense that it was the Lord that defeated him, not this other group. But this is what happens when we're not truly devoted to God. When we're not faithful to serving the Lord our God, we start to look for other things to put in God's place. Man is created to worship. Man will worship something. We are created as worship beings. We will create worship something. He wants the altar placed in the temple, and he pushes it aside for a true altar. He said, this is the true altar, not this. I see this happening in ministries today. Someone sees something out there in the world that would fit and work to see what the Lord's doing, and the church begins to imitate the world. Oh, what a dangerous place. Dangerous place. When Moses was to build the tabernacle with specific instructions from the Lord, and then Solomon built the temple according to God's plans as well. These were specific to God's plans, and you're starting tearing it apart. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. A.W. Tozer said, aside from the few of the grosser sins, the sins of unregenerated world are now approved by a shocking number of professedly born-again Christians. Happening all over the world, and slowly the church and I think that's one of the reasons why they made the statement that the church was not essential. That's why they made that statement. That's my thought. Ahaz thought the Lord would be pleased with the sacrifices. I'm building a brand new altar for you, Lord. He must have forgot 1 Samuel 15 when it said the Lord doesn't want sacrifice but obedience. He must have skipped over that chapter. He worshiped foreign God. 
He rejects the Lord, and the Lord rejects his sacrifices. The religious experiences in some churches may excite people, may even entertain them, but they do not edify the church or exalt the Lord. He has to be number one. Sanctuaries become theaters, worship becomes entertainment, and the congregation becomes an audience. Lord, may that never happen here at Calvary Chapel. We are having a time where we will have an audience. That's our coffee house. When we will be people here playing music and singing. That's a different setting altogether. But what we do here before services is not entertainment. It shouldn't be viewed that way. And if after each song you are applauding, I pray to God that you're applauding and giving praise to God. Not for what you hear coming from the worship team. Because we don't want that. I'll speak for the whole worship team. We don't want your applause for that. We want you to give thanks to God. Second King tells us that replacing the altar was just the beginning. Ahaz then remodeled the laver and ten movable stands that held the basins for sacrifices. Where does the compromise end? Once it begins, there's no end to compromise. Once you start compromising, it grows and grows and grows until it's out of control. And all it takes is for evil to triumph in a weak person and gives them the compromise. Ahaz was weak and allowed these things to take place in the kingdom, in the temple of the Most High God. And what eventually took Ahaz, took everything from him. And the doors of the temple and the altars were set up in the streets of Jerusalem. A little leaven spoils the whole loaf. Once we as a church allowed worldliness to come into our fellowship, it will grow and grow and grow. It'll become so big that we will not be able to get rid of it. It will pollute every part of fellowship and worship that's in the church. We've got to stand fast against worldliness coming into the church. We've got to stand fast against it because it'll eventually take over. Hezekiah is going to try to restore the temple. He's going to rest- try to restore that. But Ahaz dies and he's buried in Jerusalem. But according to Second Chronicles, they don't bury him in the royal tomb. The unbelief and unfaithfulness of Ahaz did great damage to the kingdom of Judah. Like I said, it started that huge spiral that they will never, ever be able to get from. i got to leave you here with Corson's final comment. I love this. That's why I stole it from him. Quote, Ahaz brings his three-generation saga to conclusion. From Uzziah, Jothan, and Ahaz. In them, we see a father who had a quarrel with the church, followed by a son who stopped going to church, followed by a grandson who closed the church. Unquote. Interesting. So you don't think church attendance is necessary, huh? Very necessary. So things are started on a downhill slide for the nation. Hezekiah is going to come in, and for the next four chapters, we're going to study Hezekiah as he does some great, wonderful things. But the seeds of corruptness, the seeds of evil have already been planted. And unfortunately, his son becomes the most wicked king Judah ever has, Manasseh. And by then, it's way too late. Because of what he does, the nation is doomed to go into captivity. A little leaven doesn't take a lot in our lives. It doesn't take a lot in our lives to get us off track. It doesn't take a lot in our lives. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. 
but the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. You've